Little misdirection, looking, everyone's covered, Keenum uh -oh, throws do back foot, and that one is snatched, no way. unbelievable! ESPN, 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Second and nine, play action from Levis. Throws across his body, slings one far side, and was that picked? Yes, it was! Steven Nelson on third and goal, Keenum towards the end zone, Noah Brown, touchdown! Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. John Weeks, the snapper, Cam Johnston, the holder, Fairbairn's kick is good! And the Texans win it here in Nashville! Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Brennan. Yes, we're the... Ooh, what up, it's down! Hey, how we do? He's Blake. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. It's a Monday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I love this song, and I love this song more so today. Probably the most I've loved this song since the early 90s. Yeah. Maybe since Warren Moon got traded. How about Car Wreck of the Week? How about Car Wreck of Forever? Amy Adams and whatever your now weird last name is and everything that you tried to drunk? do. This, isn't it like drunk, strunk? I think it's strunk. Strunk? Skrunk or strunk? Skunk? I think yeah, it's strunk. She stinks. I think, I think right. it's ST. Yeah, whatever. Enjoy not making the playoffs officially and all that came with that loss yesterday. That was fun. It was a little nerve-wracking, but it was fun. It's just like you draw it up. I mean, this is what Case Keenum does. Case Keenum lets everybody think, oh, Case Keenum sucks. And then Case Keenum comes back from a 13 nothing deficit, slings the ball all over the yard. You think he's throwing interceptions. Instead, they're completions to the tight end. And Devin Singletary was really, really good. Uh, that was a fun one yesterday. Texans now tied for first place in the AFC South with three games left to play. It's unbelievable. Um, Joe said that it's an all-time impressive victory for the Texans. I think that might be a little little much there. Is it? A little much there. Well, we talked on Friday. This definitely puts him in the category of folk hero of the tech for Texans with TJ Yates because of the fact that a lot of people had a lot of doubts about this game, and Case Keenum found a way to get to pull out a victory when you needed it most. It's a phenomenal win, and it, it elevates him more in the city, sure, but it elevates him with Texans fans. It has to. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to call it an all-time impressive victory like Joe does. And I don't want to stain the victory at all. This was still a great win, and it puts you in a spot where three games left to play. You probably control your own destiny. Joe plays with the playoff simulator a lot. I imagine did that a lot of that last night. Did, did you play around with the idea of the Texans losing to the Browns, but then winning their final two? It, it pretty much doesn't matter. What happens the, to the Browns? Yeah, what happens to the Browns? It, it's these teams. If there's a bunch of teams at ten wins, the Texans are in trouble. If there's a bunch of teams at eleven wins, eleven wins, including the Texans, they're plenty fine. Like it's kind of all over the place. So is ten still the magic number? Ten is still pretty much the magic number. Knowing that. Wait, did you say they're in trouble if they get to ten with, if, with if other like, teams? If the like the Bengals, the Bills, the Browns all have ten wins, the Texans could still, in theory, miss the playoffs. But it'll still it's tough. Okay. Like ten is the magic number. So knowing that ten's the magic number, and you have two, three games to win two, do you entertain the idea of CJ Stroud still a little loopy to roll out Case Keenum again? No. So if he clears the protocol, there's no doubt about it for you. Oh, if he clears the protocol this week, yeah, I think you bought enough time that. You, you you go with him because there was still a lot in jeopardy for parts of that game, but he did his job. 
Yeah, what impressed you the most in this victory? 713-780-3776. I'll stop short to where Joe said, all-time impressive victory. Uh, good win, needed win, maybe an improbable win a bit. I mean, it's a three-and-a-half-point spread. But Tennessee's 5-9. and nine. Tennessee's 5-9. and nine. They're, they're, they're a losing team this season, uh, the Tennessee Titans are. But can I ask you a question? Legit. Uh, I'll think about it. Davis Mills. If Davis Mills plays that game yesterday, do they win that game? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't really think so. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking throughout the game. Like, for everybody that was hating on this decision, for everybody that was questioning Keenum and, and could Keenum do it, I think Keenum was a, was the only guy on that roster capable of doing what happened yesterday and coming out with a W. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that later in the show, why yeah. Case Keenum ultimately was the decision instead of Davis Mills. Uh, but what impressed you the most in the victory? 713-780-ESPN, 713-780-3776. This texture's t- on your side, Joe. Look how many people were out. All-time great win. I can't call a regular season win. Over a losing team, an all-time great win in franchise history. I understand the franchise history has not seen a ton of great wins, but I can't call a regular season game against a losing team an all-time great victory. But that's not what I said. I said it's an all-time impressive win. I can't go that far. That's kind of the same thing. What you did... In that, like, your playoff hopes are pretty much on the line. Like, you have flexibility now you need the win. rest of the season you get to 10. because you won this game. You won with Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. You won Go without Cougs. Will Anderson. Your offensive line is but beat up. defense like, looked great without the, Will Anderson, by the way. Seven sacks. True. That's true. Two and a half sacks. What are we going to say about John Gernard's 12 and a half sacks now? Now he, that Will Anderson wasn't on the out. football field and that John Gernard had two and a half sacks, or how, much you, how much are all of you going to tell me that Will Anderson's critical in all these sacks? The Texas had seven sacks yesterday. John Gernard had two and a half. Will Anderson didn't play. So uh, advanced win rate. X sack, all of these things. Just saying, just saying. Love Will Anderson, but stop, stop. Whenever you're talking up Will Anderson, let's stop talking bad about other players. Well, John Grenard wouldn't be anything if Will Anderson wasn't on the football field. Get over yourselves. Yes, he would. He proved it yesterday with two and a half sacks. I'm sick of hearing that, and I'm glad that Grenard had a huge game. But what was the most impressive thing to you, Blankers, uh, in this victory? Just that they they persevered enough to find a way to win. The fact that when you went down in the in the pick six. And the way that it looked like it was just completely the walls were falling down around you. They could have packed up, the, folded up their tents, packed it up, and gone home. But the way they came back, and the way that you know, starting in the second half, started the second half too. The way they just came back and started to fight back, and, and like they made adjustments, I think. But the fact that they got themselves back in the football game with with sustaining the clock, doing the things that they needed to do, and and putting points on the board, and just. It, it was like a tale of two halves. I, I really had a lot of worry in the first half, and I felt so confident about the way they were playing the whole second half, and the fact that they never gave up was just a beautiful thing to me. So I think just their perseverance was fantastic. This, to me, was a D'Amico Ryan's game. Uh, whenever we talked about it last week, Texans win if blank, Texans lose if blank. The one that stood out to me was they, they need to go out-scheme the other side. They need to go out-coach Mike Vrabel and, and Tim Kelly and whoever's calling the defensive plays for the Tennessee Titans. They need to be a better coaching staff and go win a game with their schematics. Go win a game with your coaching staff. And I feel like for the most part, they did that. Defensively, they definitely did that. They went to overtime with Tennessee and they gave up 
what, nine points on the offensive end. Remember, seven of the points for Tennessee was a pick six. So D'Amico Ryan's defense held Tennessee to under to single-digit points. Uh, I thought they were phenomenal defensively. To me, it was the D'Amico Ryan's defensive scheme. Bobby Slowick, I didn't think, was fantastic Uh, in the first half. Look how slow they started. They almost didn't score at all in the first half. It it was a last-moment field goal, which maybe they should have went for it instead of kicking the field goal. But, hey, all's well that ends well. Uh, I thought but Slowick did a good job in the second half. Committed to the run game, stuck to the run game. Singletary had a really good football game. So, first and foremost for me, D'Amico Ryan's out coaching the Tennessee Titans, and then Bobby Slowick in the second half finally making some adjustments. Coaches had to go win a game because of the scheme, and the coaches went and won a game because of the scheme. We were also talking about the fact that the running game for each team could be the difference maker. And for Derrick Henry, who what was it, 1,018 yards over his last five games, uh, against the Texans, and they handled him. They hammered him. I mean, he had at one point he had more carries than he had yards, and, and they just found a way to make sure that he or the running game of the the Titans was not a factor. That was massive. I mean, and I didn't see that coming either. So the entire D line and the way that they handled the run game was extremely impressive. Yeah, that, that was the. To me, they had to win both sides of the ball in the running game, not just the offensive side, not just the defensive side. They had to win both sides of the running attack, and that's exactly what happened. You mentioned what they did to Derrick Henry. Uh, he had a lousy game. 16 carries, 9 yards for Derrick Henry. That, and you know what's – then you look at what the Texans did offensively. They ran for 148 yeah. yards. Devin Singletary ran for 121 yards. So they won it on the offensive side running the football. And then they stopped the run, which is something that we haven't been been able to say a whole lot with the Houston Texans uh, until this year. D'Amico Ryans has kind of figured that out. What's really impressive, too, about stopping the run, they did it out of their nickel formation. They played Desmond King all but they like did. two snaps. The third linebacker was almost, I don't actually wasn't on the field. There wasn't a linebacker, and I'm not counting Sanders because Sanders is an, an edge. He's listed as a linebacker, but he's an edge. Watch him play. He lines up on the defensive line. There was not a third linebacker who played a single defensive snap. The Texans' base defense yesterday was a nickel formation, and they stopped the run with their nickel, which is really great. And it's also like, son of a gun, it's really bad because it was really great yesterday. And then it made me think, I wish they would have played nickel 100% of the snaps against the Jets because I bet you they would have won that game Did if they Joel, played Joel nickel play 100% teams? of the snaps against the Jets. Did he only play special teams? Yeah, go look at the snap counts. Only play special teams. That's what, yeah, I mean, he made one play on special teams. It was teams. a good play. Yeah, it good was play. a good play, but I went, wow. I mean, other than that, I haven't seen him in the game, and I didn't look at the snap counts, but he wasn't a factor. Christian Harris, thankfully, was. He, he was, was really all good. over the football field. But, yeah, I mean, they played... You know, a, a defense that you that was surprising, but they were effective. So kudos to D'Amico for that as well. And then uh, you ready to, to apologize a little bit for to Kaimi Fairbairn? You've uh, you've dragged some mud on the name of Kaimi Fairbairn. It I was don't know why really... we got to call me out for that. But yeah, I, I've also been very clear in the fact that yeah, I, I don't like his contract. It, my biggest thing was that he was the, a race. the fifth highest kicker in all of football. And that bothered me, but yeah, I thought about it when he made the kick. I was like, "Well, he's definitely you know way better than I'm, I'm Amendola, and Amendola wouldn't have made that kick." So, sure, okay, kudos to to Kaimi Fairbairn because a, having a big leg that that's accurate is a big thing, and he was a difference maker. How it's really nice to have a good kicker. Like oh, you couldn't man. have Amendola for five games. That's not even in the realm of possibility. Like, tried it once and he missed it. But it's nice to have a real kicker. Like you can see the game changer that he has because he's got a big leg. Last year he's one of the top three most accurate kickers in the league. I think most people. In fact, I tweeted about this like two weeks ago. I was like, 
because I, I feel like most people were on your side, where Fairbairn's overpaid, he's a mediocre kicker that's making too much money. And when I tweeted something in that vein a few weeks ago, I got backlash. Like, what are you talking about? Everybody loves Kaimi Fairbairn, which I was like, they do? That's news to me. I'm surprised by that. But anybody who was still, like, hanging on on not liking Kaimi Fairbairn, oh, I sure. think is jumped over to the other side. And you know what? It's, it's unfair to Kaimi Fairbairn because I think that a lot of the animosity – or any kind of ill will came from the fact that Bill O'Brien overpaid him. That's fact. And so everybody, no matter what you do on the football field, when everybody hears the numbers and knows, hey, this guy is one of the top five highest paid kickers in football, and the team sucks, you're going, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> but he definitely earned everybody back on his side. Yeah, I think everybody's on the Kaimi Fairbairn trail, uh, or train. What a welcome back for Fairbairn. Got the game ball and everything. Could have gave it to Case. Go Cougs. Instead, you give it to Kaimi Fairbairn. Could have given multiples and given one to Case. He deserved <laughs> he it. He said they were going to give just the one, and they gave it to Emmy, uh, which is fine. Go Cougs. Case doesn't need it. And, <laughs> and he, I loved how D'Amico, right before he gave it to him, was like, we missed this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, like he did not hide that like they were kind of over the life with Matt Amendola. I hope Matt Amendola did moment. not watch that post game speech. He probably did, and he's probably a little hurt today. I, I was listening to some of the press conference on the way here too, and uh, D'Amico was like, "Yeah, it's great to have a kicker again." It's like, oh my like, god! I mean, like there's wow. like they're bus driving this guy. Like it's <laughs> brutal. Like, the way D'Amico handled that last you know minute, there's no way that he just runs the clock out and goes, "We're going to kick it from 54." If Amendola is your kicker, you're trying to do everything in your power to gain about seven to ten more yards, yeah. or you may not kick it. No, you're you're right. You, they would have they would have tried to be more aggressive, pushing the ball up the field. And D'Amico answered that today too. Well, not not about Amendola, but about Fairbairn. You know, why did you get conservative on those last couple of plays once you got into range? Like, well, we trusted Fairbairn. We didn't want to get another penalty. We didn't want to risk turnover, so we were in his range. Let's end the game that way. See if he can knock down a kick. Knocks down a kick. Texans win, and they're tied for first place with three games left to play. Pinch yourself, Houston. 713-780-ESPN, and they did it on the hills of Case Keenum Magic. Go Cougs. 713-780-3776. Busy show. Game balls at four. We'll have a mailbag Monday later. We'll grade the quarterback as we do each and every week. Different quarterback today. But for you, what was the most impressive thing to you in this victory? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel. I'm at Jeremy Branham. He's at Joe George Radio. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, we know that the bowl season's upon us. We know there's a ton of sports going on right now. And the only way you can make it more exciting is if you put a little money on it, especially if you don't have any interest rooting for either team. You can make any uninteresting game like a, a crazy bowl game more interesting if you put some money down. And the only place I tell you to do it is mybookie.ag because they do a match bonus right now. They're going to do a match deposit for you. They're going to take care of you and double what you put in on your first deposit. It's awesome because from 50 to to $1,000, whatever you put in, they'll match it instantly. So say you put 100 bucks in, you get an account started at mybookie.ag and use the promo code BET975. Instantaneously, you put in 100, they put in 100. 200 in your account, you've got more money in your account, you got more games you can bet on, and of course, more chances to win. They love taking care of the customer like you, and that's because they've been in business for over a decade. They aren't going anywhere, neither is your money. They're not going to hem and haw and try to get you to keep it in there no matter what because they don't want to pay out. They're going to take care of you in a variety of different ways. I mean, there's all the sports going on right now when you think about college and NBA basketball, bowl games, NFL football, and so much more. But even when there's not a game going on, they heard you loud and clear. Live dealers standing by where you can play casino games like poker and blackjack. 
all because you go to mybookie.ag. But remember that promo code I always tell you, bet975, because it gets you that bonus, and it takes care of you in a variety of ways. Whenever they need a code, you put in bet975, and you're better off for doing it because your account is. Check them out today. As I always tell you, go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code bet975 and bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it, mybookie.ag. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. All right, lots of reaction here. Most impressive thing with the win. He's blank on Branham. 713-780-3776 or Twitch. Like Alex on the Twitch, Branham's going to be bulletin board material for the Texans. Uh, Grenard responded to your comment. I have Texans that live in my comments. First Titus, then number 78, and then John Grenard. Although John Grenard was happy with me yesterday because I've defended John Grenard's honor. When everybody's like, well, John Grenard would be nothing. He'd be just an average Joe if it weren't for Will Anderson. Well, I've had his honor. I've had his back. And yesterday, without Will Anderson, at two and a half sacks. I'll let everybody know that. And John Grenard was very thankful. Good. Blankers doesn't like to comment on things whenever the story's about me. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Don't comment about anything about me. I'm not going to say anything. You're right. You never talk about yourself. Let's go oh out to the H R N P listener line. Ray, you're in the high with the bees. What's up, Ray? Hey, I know we were talking about a lot of the run game, but that secondary made some big plays yesterday. That could have ended in a touchdown. Yeah, secondary was really good. Uh, Derek Stingley was fantastic. I thought that Jalen Petrie had a couple of really good plays too. Uh, Nelson with the interception. Yeah, no, look, I, I thought Singletary, I mean, not Singletary, I mean, uh, Stingley, I thought Stingle, Stingle, Stingley was fantastic. I mean, even in the, in a lot of cases when, you know, it's not a pick or it's not, a you know, just a net, the way that they were able to free the ball up, the way they were able to do things, I, Petrie was good. Petrie got a lot of credit for a ball that I think he honestly got a little lucky on, prying, prying loose where they did the... They they challenged it and found out that it was the it was incomplete. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he got that, beat. He got beat. And Nuke, normally a reliable set of hands, you know that's why you could see him. He wanted to rush the next play up because he was doubting it too. But when you looked at it, you go, yeah, Petrie. The, the announcers are going overboard. Archuleta's giving him credit. It's like I don't know if you're giving him credit. Yeah. He got beat. He got lucky. The, I thought that the the game plan from D'Amico, too, like, I, I think D'Amico called a great game yesterday. And Titans, the Titans' offense isn't fantastic. Like, they're not a juggernaut offensively. They're outside of the top 20. Will Levis is very much a rookie quarterback. Will Levis, I mean, this is something you talked about last week. He's going to give you, he's going he's to turn it over. He's going to give you the ball a time or two. He they had the one interception, probably got away with a couple of more uh, near fumble, things like that. So it's not a great offense. But you could tell D'Amico's mindset and philosophy. Will Levis has to beat us downfield because it was all out. We're going to stop the run. We're not going to give you underneath stuff. You're going to have to take shots to beat us. The Texans gave up one or two. But for the most part, you give up nine points defensively. That's a huge win. And Steely and and, and Stevie Nelson did their jobs. I I thought they did really well. And and so you you definitely give the secondary credit. I, I think that, you know, Petrie was better. Could he have been better too? Yes, absolutely. But overall, the entire defense could could have earned a game ball because they were brother-in-law all over the field. They were in the backfield constantly to stop the run. And, and every every aspect of the defense should get credit for a good portion of what they did throughout the entire game. 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRMP listener line. Alan, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up, Alan? Hey, good afternoon. I didn't get to watch the game, but I called last week and predicted that special teams would make a big roll in the game. Was I close? Say that again? As yeah. far as winning? I didn't catch you. Say it again, Alan. Can you repeat it? 
I called last week and predicted that special teams would be a big part of them winning yesterday. Okay. Was I close? Was you close? All right, Alan. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I think he's patting himself on the back. Yeah, Fairbairn made I'm the like, kick. Winning kick. What special teams? I'm going. Well, yeah, Fairbairn made the kick. But yeah. what else are we doing? Special teams wise, punting was punting. Cam but- Johnson, I thought. I thought he kind of changed the momentum. Honestly, in the first half, he had that deep punt that pinned Tennessee with. I think it was inside the he's five. He's a good punter. He's a really good punter. But in the first half, he had the the punt mm-hmm. that pinned Tennessee inside the five. Texans, I think, got a three and out, and then it's like, okay, Texans capitalize on this, and that was the final drive right before halftime that led to a field goal. I kind of wish D'Amico Ryan's would have went for it on that fourth and one, but hey, you, you kick the field goal, you force overtime, you win it. Was it Sims that had yes. some good returns? Sims was returning kicks. He had yesterday. some good returns, but he also made a bad decision at one point that kind of put them inside the 20 that I thought that he should have just taken, taken it in the end zone fair catch and put it on the 25 and let him go to work. But overall, I mean, he had some good returns too, but I'm not going to say special teams won that game. No, I mean, Fairbairn, I can see, and like he's special teams, but I, I, I'm with you on that. I'm not a fan of Sims either. I think Sims has butterfingers. I think he has clubs for hands. He fumbled that end around. I, I saw him a lot at camp, just mishandled balls. Uh, the more, I, I, I have a bad feeling that Sims is going to have a costly fumble because mm. I don't trust his hands. I hate that I have to put that into existence, but it's already been in existence because he has bad hands. It was interesting that he almost played as much as John Mechie offensively, though. Yeah, <laughs> Joe and I were talking about that before the show, too. It, it, it is shocking to me, but it's real. John Mechie is not going to be a factor at all. And John Mechie, like I said, so happy that from a health perspective – He's beating cancer, and he's beat cancer. Yeah, but he is not even close to the receiver that they drafted, and and, and I hope he gets back there. Seven five five seven brings up a good point. How about the special teams drawing that holding on the punt in overtime to keep Tennessee from getting the ball in plus territory, only needing a field goal to win? That was a critical call because yeah. I, I went back and watched the the uh, condensed game like you know an hour ago. I it was doing some stuff this morning. They would have had the ball in the Texans in yep. Texans territory. All they needed was a field, field goal to win, yep. and then you get it. Some I never even saw the replay on the hold. CBS is brutal on showing replays, and that cameraman yesterday was drunk. By the way, he was so he bad, was so bad. He had too much bourbon, uh, whatever the popular street there is on Nashville. He was hanging out in downtown Nashville, drinking too much cold beer at the Bluebird Cafe because that was the worst cameraman I've seen in an NFL game ever. They did replay the hold, though, right? Did and, they? I missed yeah, it. I Th- thought that they replayed it once. They did. It was. I think he was holding weeks. It was because it was John Weeks drew it. I think I think that's who it was. Yeah, it was it was definitely within the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it was a guard or a center. John Weeks drew it. I can't remember if it was Weeks or or whatever the guard was, but it was as the ball was snapped and they went down the field. The guy just he just like hooked. Yeah, he just kind of reached back like as if getting beat off the line of scrimmage was going to be that big of a deal, and he just kind of delayed his progress by like Joe said, hooking him. And it was like, wow, that was unnecessary. But thank you very much. That was a big. That was a huge call because now they don't need the. You know, they they can't get it the saved in the there. game. I think. Let's see who that was on. That was. Uh, it doesn't say who drew it. I'm about to go back and watch that. But that's going to be awesome if it's John Weeks because Didn't Vrabel fire his special teams coordinator a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. yeah. I think Vrabel's calling special teams actually because like there was. Who was calling the game? I know his name, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Spear. It was Spiro Arch- Oh, Spiro Ditas and, and Archuleta. Spear. I didn't like him. Spiro Dearest, whatever, he Dearest. just uses football lingo without actually using them in appropriate settings. Like, he just knows football buzzwords and uses football buzzwords in inopportune times, like, to, completely out of context. Like, Mike Vrabel was calling in a defensive play, like or a special teams play, because he's calling special teams. And he's like, oh, uh, Vrabel that. wants him to review it or something. No, he doesn't. No. He's singling in a play. Yeah. And then he had another one late. I can't remember what it was. It had something to do with a challenge. But he just, like, he, he knows the football lingo. 
He just doesn't know which context to use the football lingo in, and he was driving me crazy. He's an interesting story in a lot of ways. Is he? I don't yeah. know enough about. He his was background. like he was going to be like Iron Eagle coming mm-hmm. up, and he went from he went from the Lakers. He had the Lakers job. He was from an East Coast. The Knicks got it, gave him the job, and then he got a DUI in the Hamptons. Oh, really? I think I do remember. Yeah, that. and so he lost that. But then CBS hired him, and they were going to like keep elevating him up. And then he now he's doing. They've split time between the Titans. They were talking about that's the majority of the games they call this year. It's like, oh, you kind of got the ass bottom of the CBS schedule, but at least you're still doing CBS. It makes me think that Rashawn Mendenhall's right. Uh, oh, I saw that. You, who, who, was, who was the color guy? Archuleta. Isn't he kind of young? He, he was a player. He played for the Rams. I feel like, I thought he was 60. Like, I know Adam Archuleta's yeah, Archuleta young. probably played in the last seven to ten years. I, no, I'm saying, like, listening to that, if I didn't know that that was Adam Archuleta calling the game, and I listened to the game yeah. without knowing that was Adam Archuleta, I would have been like, that color guy's 60 years old. He's, he's basically Gary Danielson. He kind of reminded me of like a Moose Johnston, but, like, 46. Not, not as good. He was, he, on the last drive, he's like, well, the Texans got to be their best here. Okay, Duh. I appreciate that. That's excellent analysis there that he, you had. The, the, the giggle during the, the kick pisses me off. Oh, I did hear that. when you, Especially when you played it again, it really stood out. Yeah. But, you know, look, Case made some good throws yesterday. But he made it sound like every throw that Case made was threading the needle oh, yeah. and, and laser pinpoint <laughs> accuracy. And I'm going, easy, big fella. Pad the brakes a little bit here. Case got away with some stuff yesterday. <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, uh, yes, he did. Case got away with some things. D-Lock on Twitter says that the hold was on the uh, was on the up back, Jake Hansen. That's really going to hurt the candidacy of John Weeks in the Ring of Honor. I'm trying to campaign for that so hard. John McClain campaigns for all these old Houston Oilers to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I campaign for John Weeks to be in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, that means the hold was on an mbop. <laughs> That was the Hanson. That's so bad, but I liked it. There you go. That was a good one. I'll give you credit. Three seven seven six. Uh, what was the most impressive thing from the victory for you? We haven't even talked about Devin Singletary. We got to talk about that and Damian Pierce and the splits there. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer Bees, ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend over at Apollo Men's Health, Doctor O and his staff. They are phenomenal. Three locations to better serve you. One's in League City, two near downtown Houston. But the fact of the matter is, this holiday season, you're getting run ragged. You got to try and find a time to do Christmas and holiday shopping. You got so much extra work to do at work, but you're trying to make time for the gym, your family, the kids, and all that other stuff, and you run out of time and you run out of juice. Guess what? You can get the energy back in your life on a daily basis if you go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. So many different ways they get more energy for you on a daily basis. It can do everything from a B12 shot like I get every week to all the different ways that they can administer hormone therapy to both men and women, and they find results almost instantaneously. Same thing if you want to lose weight. You can get into the gym, and they can help you do all the different things that can get you on a program, chart your progress, recover quicker. But the main thing is if you don't have time to get in the gym and you want to lose weight or you have to lose weight because you feel like you're gaining too much, FDA-approved, semi-glutide available. You can lose up to six pounds every week without lifting a weight or getting on a treadmill. Check them out today. ApolloMH.com is the website. See all the different services they offer if there's a few that interest you. Sign up for your first appointment right there online. Most major insurance is accepted. Discounts for military personnel and first responders. You mentioned my name, Joel Blank. Free B12 shot or a body composition analysis or get your lab results free on your when you first sign up at Apollo Men's Health. But they're going to take care of you every step of the way because they are focused on getting you results because they care. Go in there with an open mind. Answer their questions honestly. Tell them what you're lacking. They'll put you on a program that works and get you the results they need. Go see them today. Tell them I sent you by. Go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. 
live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. So profound, Spencer. Uh, it's back again, the ESPN listener Christmas party. Join us Friday, December 22nd. It's Friday. Uh, for our annual Christmas party shenanigans. The party will be all day at Nick's Place, starting with John and Lance all the way through the Killer Bees. You won't want to miss any of it. Come early, stay late, and wear red. Uh, <laughs> and it's a Friday, so you can really cut loose. If I, I've, I think I've said something similar to that in the past. <laughs> He's blank. I'm Branham. 713-780-3776. Derek Stingley balled out. Derek Stingley's awesome. He uh, really is. He's a really good football player. He's Whether it's man-to-man, like I think that the, the best play that he had was the one where he helped out, came over the middle of the field. Where Archuleta away. basically like, wanted to put frosting on him and just completely decorate him because of it. <laughs> I mean, he covered some ground. I mean, and, think, and it was a I think he made a couple of better plays that Archuleta missed. Probably. And I, but I think that that one was his own. Like, he, I think he was in zone defense. Yeah, like and he, Ward came in as a safety, so he didn't really go towards the middle of the field until he saw the, you know, the flight of the ball, breaks on it, swats it away. He's got really good – like, he can, he can cover a lot of ground in a short yeah. amount of time. So he's really good man-to-man, and I think he's really good in zone coverage as well. And D'Amico actually plays more zone than he plays man. Well, you know, the other iron, ironic thing was he was so mad on that out route that he broke it up beautifully – but he was ticked off because he knew he could have picked it. Yeah, and so he was really like he was. And I thought, oh, is he mad because he, he he was gonna? He thought he there was pi or something happened or, or offensive pi. You go back and look at it. He was mad because he thought he could have picked that ball. He's got great ball skills, and the way he high points footballs on the deep ball is fantastic. I wonder if D'Amico has toyed with the idea, and maybe he doesn't do it this year, but maybe it's like in the future because Stingley was kind of banged up first year, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if at some point he deliberates moving Stingley with the other team's best receiver if he yeah. starts traveling. Now, the downside to that, or maybe it's not even a downside, but I'll play devil's advocate and just counterpoint it. They play a lot of zone. So if you do that, sometimes you tip your hand. Although the Broncos are really good at using Sertan to uh, to like go all over the place, and then they'll a lot of times use zone no matter where he's going pre-snap. So I wonder if D'Amico tries to add that wrinkle at some point uh, with Derek Stingley because he's it, always lining up on the left side of the defensive formation. And I always snap. hate that. I hate when DCs say that I'm going to keep my best corner on one side of the football field. I'm not going to move him no matter what. If you've got a, a lockdown corner like that, and you know that the team brings in a dominate, dominating wide receiver one, let him go to town, man. I mean, let him work. Because I think the other thing that bothers me when they do still play a lot of zone is sometimes he's going to look bad because he didn't get the help that he was expecting uh, either over the top or underneath, and, and that's tough. But when you put him one-on-one on the best receiver on the other side, there's no doubt that you see results. Sure, the, the receivers are great. They're going to make plays. But he's going to limit how many plays they make in a game because he blankets receivers like yeah. very few. It's just they play a lot of zone. So it's like, okay, like how often can you do this? Are you tipping your hand, et cetera, et cetera? But Broncos do it pretty good. Uh, I wonder if that's something we see next year. 1307, if K spell with a K, delete your account. Uh, doesn't throw the pick six, Texans win in regulation. Cool. If the Titans place kicker makes the extra point on their very first touchdown, they win in regulation. Yeah, I like, mean, look, do you if my do aunt here? had outdoor plumbing, she'd be my uncle. I mean, you can if butts candies nuts it all day long, but they found a way to win. That's the way game scenarios are going to play out a million different ways where, yeah, Monday morning quarterback, that's exactly what that is. You can go back and look at it. But the fact of the matter is, perseverance and the way they found a way to win was beautiful. Uh, seven five five seven Adam Metro, uh, Adam Archuleta catching strays from the bees. They maybe deserve, but poor guy's about to get KO. That's okay. He does well for himself. He married a playmate too. 
Oh, I you yeah, he know did that. very very well. Yeah. <laughs> Three, four, five, one. Thirty minutes into the show, and haven't talked about the show, the uh, Dalton Schultz grab, biggest play of the game. It's thirty six minutes into the show, and I think we did. I think we brought it up. I don't think we like it was like a, like I think a main topic. But we I think brought was, up a lot early yeah, in the barrage of celebration that was the first couple segments. Pretty sure that we did. But Dalton yeah. Schultz had a really good catch on that play. Uh, I like the way that D'Amico Ryan's mentioned it. Uh, he said he, he said he's not sure if that was a Dalton Schultz reception or an interception. Well, 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 the crazy thing was there were multiple plays in that game that could have gone to the other team and were taken away because what was the big play that the guy that used to play here, Conley. Chris Moore? Oh, Chris Moore. Oh, Chris yeah. Moore goes over the top. Was, was it Nelson? Was oh, Desmond my God. King, was that a big play, too? I, I mean, King, yeah. whoever it was, I mean, both sides had takeaways that looked like they were sure things for the other team that were just like... <laughs> Part of the game changer. One of my favorite – that was a heck of a play. One of my favorite uh, moments of the game was whenever, like, back to – it was the overtime possessions. When they traded possessions, neither mm-hmm. team scored. Where, like, Case Keenum throws a deep ball to, like, Noah Brown. No, actually, it was the end of the fourth quarter. It was the end of the fourth quarter. It wasn't overtime yet. It was into the fourth quarter. Remember, the Texans got the ball, with, like, I don't know, a minute or so left yep. to play. And there was a third and long, and, and Case is like, the heck with this, and just throws a deep ball downfield to Noah Brown. That misses by 10 yards. Yep. Like, it was nowhere close. And then the very next play from Will Levis on first down, he does the same exact thing. So you have like these two mediocre quarterbacks in today's NFL that are just throwing these bombs down the field with no idea where they're going with it. No, and, <laughs> it's so funny. And, and that's when you looked at what Levis was going to do. That you, the kind of things that he was still doing that carried over from the Miami game. I, I'm surprised in a lot of ways that he didn't get his bell rung earlier in the game too but he was just he he was taking all chances uh, you saw a couple times though D-Hop was shaking his head like what the hell was that like one of the crossing routes where D'Amico had to shake his head and look I mean not D'Amico um D-Hop yeah he, he, he was shaking his head and looking back like was that to me and yeah. were you throwing because what were you looking at the, I like the one where it was the interception too and he was like that way he was like during yeah, the middle of the round the he other was guy. Yep. at Burks he's like that's where you need to go with the ball and Levis said eh, no I don't here's here's the ball uh, Stephen Nelson uh, Lamont says that the three mark in regulation three minutes left to play in regulation both the Texans and Titans had the ball two times apiece he goes that's crazy that is crazy you know, that was like a shootout it was to, to me, the way that I would relate that is like that was a gun shootout, and there's no bullets that are striking a single person. Yeah, like they're just taking these shots, these these erratic shots, they're just shooting all over the place, and none of them are connected. Yeah, they have no idea what they're looking. At. <laughs> that game was like I, I. What impressed me the most about the game, I know we haven't touched on it much, but I, I, we got to give Devin Singletary his love. Singletary and, and the offensive line and the offensive. Yeah, line. they really played incredible throughout the game. The screen passes were a total joke, and I'm glad Bobby Slowick eventually stopped doing that. Ooh, but Singletary... blocks on a couple of them, by the way. Who was it? There was the, the first one that I saw. I want to go back and watch it before I say the player's name. It gave no effort oh, to, to I know deliver who was. a block. Who was it? It was Dieter. That's not who I thought. Because I was listening on the radio, and I... Rock and roll. Andre Ware was torching Dieter Dieter. On the air for like back to back, zero effort plays where he touched nobody on screen pass. Did you hear that final call? Huh? I did not. Mm-mm. Do you call him the fake Oilers then? Because I know he was doing that throughout the game. I couldn't hear what Vandy was saying. Oh, really? Oh. Couldn't hear what Vandy was saying. That's not good. Mm, good. Yeah. We'll, we'll, well, I guess we can't play it legally. <laughs> yeah, we can't. We, we can't do that one. So. Can we use Mark Van- Vandermeer's SoundCloud? 
No. We we can give credit to Mark Vanderbilt's SoundCloud. Mm. I saw that you put it on there. That's weird. Well, go go find it. Go find it. Listen to it. We can talk about it later. Um, yeah, that, that's a no no. I did in I the did. biz. I yeah. would, we we grade the call on a past yeah. life. Joe doesn't let us do that anymore. Actually, it's Brendan that killed it. Um, that I would have given that like a like a three. And I love I'd, those I'd have guys. to hear it. I, I love didn't those hear guys. it. You know, I love those guys. I do, and I love them both too. But I, I'd have to hear it first. But yeah, that's the ultimate no-no. I'll, I'll pull it up during the commercial. We'll, we'll chat about it. Uh, Nine seven eight zero. Most impressive part of the single tier was great. Single tier was fantastic, mm-hmm. and the offensive line was really good as well. Um, kind of. I mean, the you know what stinks though about Singletary? I mean, Singletary is great, but what stinks about the conversation is. We're probably talking a lot about Damian Pierce and why did he only get one carry? Like this texture said, you know, should he have gotten more carries, Damian Pierce? No. No. Why no. would you? He shouldn't have. Why? Yeah, exactly. And, and when he did get any touches, it wasn't where he was knocking your socks off or going, oh, yeah, that dude needs the ball more. And when Singletary, the most impressive thing about Singletary to me was all the yards after contact. I mean, there were so many times that he looked like he was trapped with, like, line of scrimmage, lose a yard here or there. And before you know it, you look up and you're like, oh, my God, he popped his head through that hole and he's squeaking out a couple of yards or he's running off eight or nine when you thought he was going to be a minus one. He was phenomenal again yesterday. He was really good. He's just a better fit. Like, Damian Pierce is not a good fit for the, the zone blocking steam. This guy, Askus, is Pierce a trade candidate. He just doesn't have any trade value, and he's still very cheap. Yeah. I think he'll be the goal line back for this team. Singletary contact, too. I think he might have avoided the uh, the concussion protocol. There was one play where he You're got Talking about popped. the one where the, the linebacker came from the middle of the field. And he was on the sideline. On a full run. And yeah. he was on the sideline. Yeah. And he got helmet to helmet, and he went out. Yeah. I think he was out. You think, think, you think he got knocked out? Uh, the ball was out of his hands. Oh, I think really? he went to sleep for a moment, and he was laying there on the back for a second. His offensive linemen were trying to help him up, and I think he was like, uh, I got to pop up out of this real quick. I think so. Huh. If he, if we'll see Wednesday's injury report. I'm very curious about that. Very curious about that. Uh, a couple of more here. The most impressive thing about the game was uh, <laughs> Cal McNair running to the locker room. Did you I, I did not see that. Big Sarge tweeted. I think the Texans had a tweet about it earlier today. But you, you know how they're probably in the owner suite during the game. And then they right. take the elevator right. down, run yep. to the locker room so they're there for the coaches speak. Hannah McNair runs by Sarge and gives the H because that's what she does. Yep. And then Cal McNair is just like doing a little jog 10 feet behind her. <laughs> I, I would funny. like to see the replay of Cal jogging to see. I'd be surprised that he could actually get any kind of speed up, but he didn't. But you know, fast. because you know, most of the owners, especially the ones that are really hands on, yeah. they come down with like a couple minutes to go in the game because they want to be there right on the sideline when the the horn hits zeros. Yeah, I would wait until it's over. I wouldn't come down to the sideline. Oh, you know, close Jerry game. does. Yeah, but and you know, Arthur game. Blank, guys like that, they yeah. always are down. They always because they on the national games, they always show them like for the final couple minutes. You know walking around on the sideline. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do that, though. Uh, yeah. I would wait until the game is over. Now, it's a blowout, I also wouldn't have a press conference game. for myself after a game. Like either. Jones does, yeah. just right there in the media tunnel. Or not the media Right tunnel, in front of the doors of the locker tunnel. room. It's the stadium tunnel. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. All right, why do you think D'Amico ultimately decided on Case over Mills? And you know me. I literally love Case Keenum. It's the Killer, it's the killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. If you ever get into a car accident, you already know what you need to do. You need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. They're the best at this type of stuff. And they're also not going to take advantage of you. Not, no billable hours, no retainer. You don't pay a thing until you win your case. No, that's absolutely right, Jeremy. And the thing is, is you never know when you're going to get in a car wreck. But when you do, you need someone on your side from the jump, right from the get-go. Because you need to know who to call, what to do, and how to handle the case so that you don't end up 
holding the bag instead of getting your bag and getting everything back and more that you deserve. Hollingsworth Law Firm, they specialize in car wrecks. They're going to be with you every step of the way. You save the number. You never know when you're going to need it. But when you do, you know, I got that number in my phone. I'm going to call them immediately. And they're going to start guiding you through because they're going to fight those insurance companies. And you know those insurance companies don't want to pay you. They're going to fight for what's rightfully yours and make sure you get everything you deserve. He mentioned those insurance companies. I can't stand them. I wish Hollingsworth Law Firm, I knew about them whenever I was dealing with these insurance companies. Is why we tell you about them. So if that ever comes up, you know to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. 713-999-8773. Put the number in your phone. 713-999-8773 or visit them online. CarWreckTexas.com. CarWreckTexas.com. Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's Blank on Branham, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, why did D'Amico end up going with Case and not Davis? 2010, D'Amico went with Keenum because he had nothing to lose. Putting Case in gives you just as good a shot to win with what you have the Mills. We're gonna, I want to address that in a little bit. Uh, Blankers said last week he would go with Case over Mills. I said, there's no way they're going to do that. Case Keenum's been the emergency quarterback all year. He hasn't even been active. They're going to go with the guy that's been active the entire season. And then I started to hedge a little bit whenever DJ told us off the air, hey, guys, it might be Case. And we're like, oh, what? Really? He's like, yeah, but, even but I DJ still have was enough yet. Going, he didn't think that yeah. they would do it. He's like, I don't have enough yet. And then uh, Aaron Wilson did it late that night, uh, scooped everybody. Why do you think that D'Amico ultimately went with Case Keenum? Well, I-, I think that when we discussed it, even as late as Friday, it was my opinion that he gave you the best chance to win because of his experience, because of the fact that regardless if he's you know later on in his career where he doesn't have the athleticism, not that it was awesome ever, but, but from a quarterback perspective, he's not in his prime, but he's a smart quarterback that's been through enough battles that's playoff tested and big game tested enough that the moment was not going to be too big for him, that just from the fact that he would have pretty calm nerves and that he had a pretty intelligent way of going through a game like this and making sure that he didn't completely crap the bed, I I felt like he gave you a better chance to win than Davis Mills did. And, and on top of that, I don't think Davis Mills has ever been a guy that I've considered to be an accurate quarterback and that maybe Case can't throw the deep ball like CJ or anybody, but maybe Case can throw the football where it needs to go more times than not and put it where it needs to be. So, yeah, they got a little lucky because he still had a pick six, and I was kicking myself after that a little bit. But I, that's why I think they ultimately went with him. Yeah, he had the pick six. Not a good throw. He admitted to it in the in because there was some there was some question if he. Uh, I think it was Dare. It was Ogunbowale, and I w- I was going to ask you like because he completely no looked it to the point where yeah. he almost looked like he no looked the pass. Yeah, and I was wondering if was that on Dare or was that on him? The uh, case owned it post game. He said that it was on him. Now, I think Case would have done that regardless. There was some dialogue on Twitter that it could have been like an option route for, for Dare, a choice route where it's you see the defender and you go where you go. Find the spot. You don't yeah. see that a lot with running backs, though, especially like 
secondary running back. Starry was more the backup than the third string yesterday. You don't really see that a lot with him. I think that was 100% on Case. And Case also had some very dangerous, like, sideline throws that could have very easily been interceptions. So, I mean, sometimes he might be has a lot of confidence in that old right arm that maybe just doesn't have the fastball that it used to have but did enough to, to get it done. Now, I think experience played a factor. There's one other thing as to why I think – he went with Case, but first let's hear from the horse's mouth himself. D'Amico Ryans on why he went with Case Keenum. Yeah, with Case, he just has the experience, right? He's been there. He's done that. As he told the guys, it's not his first rodeo. He's been there. He's won big games. Uh, this was a big game for us. and He stepped up and did. You know, He's been there before, so it wasn't too big for him. He was uh, made the right plays, you know. And he helped us, right? Guys are in the right position. We ran the ball well, and I think that's what helped Case and the offense by us running the ball well, which is something, you know, we hadn't done well over the past couple weeks. So the way Motor ran the ball, the way Case played efficiently, Noah making big plays, Dalton, everybody stepping up when they needed to. There you go. Yeehaw. Not Case's first rodeo. I think the secondary thing that that D'Amico didn't really get to hear into with his answer, Case is more of a playmaker. He's more of a playmaker than Davis Mills. Davis Mills has a stronger arm. The, the Texans sure. told you that. The Texans told you that when they put Davis Mills in for the final play looking to get a Hail Mary up, but he got sacked. So they told you that Davis Mills has a stronger arm than Case, which is no secret. Everybody knows that. But Case has the ability. One, he's got the experience, like you mentioned. I think he's got a little bit of moxie, too. Mm-hmm. Case has never been shy to have a little moxie. But he's also ha- he also has the ability to move around a little bit. He can, ev- he can elude a rush. He can roll out. He can throw on the run. He's got a little bit of playmaker skill that Davis doesn't really have. Not he's quickly, kind of a though. statue. He's kind of in the pocket. No, he's not as quick as he when once When he tried was. that C.J. Stroud change directions right. in the middle of the backfield, look, that's not a good look. That one that one didn't work out for him. But look how many times he was rolling out. The touchdown pass to Noah Brown yeah. was him rolling out mm-hmm. of the pocket. Found Noah Brown over the middle. And because the Texans didn't have their playmakers, like I wonder if this would have been a little bit different if Nico played. If uh, Tank Dell played. Because those guys are going to get open and Davis Mills can sit in the pocket and just pick you, pick you, pick you. Not great, but he can do that maybe a little bit better than Case Keno. I'm not saying that it would have been different. But because you were shorthanded, you didn't have your top two receivers, you didn't know how you were going to move the ball. That was a topic we were having the other day. How in the world is this offense going to move the ball? D'Amico and Slowick and those that were responsible for the decision, I think they're like, that guy, and this is kind of the Cam Newton argument over the weekend. Which one of these guys is more game manager? Which one of them is more of a game changer? Case Keenum's more of a game changer than Davis Mills. It ain't ain't always in a good way. Sometimes it's a negative way because he can be a little bit reckless with the ball. But because he's more of a game changer than Davis Mills, I think that's another reason why they ultimately decided on Case. When he was at his best, he he was uh, gunslinger light. He wasn't Brett Favre, but he was he wasn't afraid to make throws that could that could make a difference. But when you look at it, when he was brought in, he was brought in to mentor and be a big brother, come back home and look out for whoever you took at quarterback, and it ended up being CJ. And I think that no matter how much any of us kick around the idea of where this team could be at this point in the year, I think early on, the reason why they did the depth chart was they knew that that you know that Davis Mills is coming off being the starter, and they wanted to see you know if they could still keep him as a viable backup and keep him happy and do these things. And they didn't think there was a whole lot to lose by just naming him the number two. And they were hopeful that they would never have to figure out either one. But when you're talking about a, a potential playoff implications type game a big game late in the season for a team that is sitting where a lot of people including myself didn't think that they would be it's a pretty easy decision in my mind to look at it and go I want a guy that's been there done that and won some pretty big games including the playoffs as opposed to a guy that's been eh, 
His whole career. You're, I mean, you were all over it. I mean, there, there's no, like, I, I was questioning your, your intelligence with it. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I was like, come on, blank. There's no way they're going to go Case. Davis has been the backup all year long. He's been the only one. I know the Case is in uniform. But he's been the only active QB outside of C.J. Stroud. There, it's important to who's your backup QB. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, D'Amico uh, ultimately went that way. Experience. Uh, I, I think that it is a little bit of the ability to make a play when there's a lack of skill around you. And uh, they get it done. They, they got the victory by the slimmest of margins on the road in Nashville against the Tennessee, I'm sorry, Tennessee Houston Oilers. But CJ has left like the last three games he's played in for at least one play. So going forward, if you believe this about Case Keenum, yeah. shouldn't he just be the backup every day going forward? Every yes. game matters. If CJ is active mm-hmm. for the Browns game and going to play, then Case should be the backup because if CJ sprains his ankle, then you need Case to go in. Like, they're telling you the whole season that Davis Mills is the guy. That's Davis Mills versus C.J. Stroud in training camp. And then all of a sudden they change their mind. They I wonder. Shouldn't, they shouldn't change it back. I wonder no, if that was because of the personnel, though. Like, I, and I wonder, like, I don't know how much value that has, but I think it has to at least be on the table where we have nothing at the receiver position. We're without Nico. We're without Tank. If those guys played, would they have went with Davis? I, I wonder. I don't know. See, I just don't think so because of the magnitude of the game and what it meant for the season. If it was middle of the season and they still were hovering at a, you know, they were at five hundred at two and two, three, you know, two and three, three and two, something like that. I think that you're you're probably right. They're more likely to go with that early in the season with a guy that they want to make sure they see everything about and see if maybe he can be the viable backup for years to come. Yeah. But when to Joe's point, I'm totally fine right now saying, hey, you know what? We love Davis, but for the rest of this season, we're going to go with Case because you don't have, you don't have to see, even say why. Mm-hmm. We're just we love what Case did yesterday, and we're going to keep rolling with Case because there's no reason to change right now. With him getting us a W, and I don't think anybody should have a problem with that. Yeah, to Joe's to Joe's question, I'm with you. It's yes, it's an obvious yep. yes, and it's a hard yes. You made the decision yesterday to elevate Case over Davis, and there's nothing that happened in that game yesterday for you to demote Case below Davis. So if if Shroud comes back on Sunday, knock on wood, who knows? Uh, D'Amico said he's still in the concussion protocol, which which shouldn't be a surprise. Like, I doubt they even, like, had it. Like, he's probably in the late stages. They're not doing any physical activity on a Monday. So I wouldn't read too much into CJ still being in the concussion protocol. But hopefully he's back. And hopefully you have a decision to make whether or not you're going to play him. I imagine they would play him this being this far removed from his previous concussion. But Case shouldn't be demoted. Like, nope. you've made the decision. Case has earned the right to be the number two. To Joe's question, next week, if C.J. Stroud's your starter, Case should be the other active quarterback, and Davis Mills should be your emergency third quarterback. No question, because here's the other thing, guys. The fact that we were talking about the magnitude of this game just to keep your playoff hopes alive, to say that now when Joe does all the, the, the playoff possibilities and sees what it takes and what it would. Well, now we're factoring a division title. So now the magnitude actually could go up because now you got a chance to win the division. So why would you take a step back or take any risks in trying to start somebody else when you know that you're not only playing for a playoff spot, you could possibly be playing for the chance to win the division, and you could control your own destiny for the most part? I'm not changing. If it ain't broke, then don't fix it. It's either CJ 
or its case, in my opinion. Junior says it was a it was a close call. It was neck to neck. Oh boy. Uh, See what he did there. He said Mills is straight a word, bad word. Uh, a few of the textures on why he decided Aggie Matt. I think Case just understands the offense better. Showed when they went no huddle. That's a good point too. I think he understands the language. It's something Demico talked about as well. I can't remember if it was yesterday or today, but he said like the language, the terminology. Actually, I think it was Dalton Schultz talking about it. And Dalton Schultz, like he's much more on time. We, we're running down in the play clock at twenty, and we're still not breaking the huddle. I was like, come on, guys, we got to go. Uh, so then that kind of speaks to experience, too. 2010, Case is cooler under pressure than Mills, especially after the pick six. Yeah, Case doesn't let it bother him. I don't know if Mills did, like would. I don't know. One six four two. They started Case because D'Amico knew this would be an old-school, low-scoring game, and Case would make less mistakes than Mills. Eh. <laughs> I don't know that they knew the, about the game part of it, but I think that to say that Case is going to make less mistakes than Mills going into the game. I don't know. Okay, going into the game, it was my opinion that Case would make less mistakes than Davis Mills. Coming out of it, knowing that he gave up a pick six and and the way he did and a couple of (laughs) other throws, you're like, maybe I overstated that a little bit, but I still felt more confident with Case than I would have with Davis Mills. Yeah. Uh, I mean, plus he's going to make a play. Like, he's got a little magic for whatever reason, and he's 48 years old and still great throwing football around. Go Cougs. 713-780-ESPN-HRP. Listener line, 713-780-3776. Let's hand out some game balls. Who deserves some game balls for their performance around the NFL this weekend? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.